Black on the Scene is a love letter to Black creators, Black content, and Black voices who are helping to drive change and representation in entertainment. I'm John Gist, here with my lovely co-host, Dee Dee Brown, and we are two industry professionals that have worked on some of the most iconic multicultural film and television campaigns over the years. The Black on the Scene podcast will highlight the many accomplishments of Black folks across film, TV, music, art, literature, and sports that celebrate diverse and nuanced stories which embody our culture. In each episode, we shout out and give flowers to some culture contributors and creators that you know and those you should know for being Black on the scene. Hope you all enjoy this week's conversation. Welcome back to Black on the Scene. Um, we are joined today by my girl, Carishia Moore Esquire. Carishia is a nonprofit executive and a lifelong educator who is the president and CEO of Usher's New Look, the Youth Empowerment Foundation started 22 years ago by the Usher Raymond. In her role as president and CEO, Carishia provides strategic leadership to the organization that is committed to transforming the lives of underserved youth into passion-driven leaders. Carisha is an amazing woman and servant leader who is also a licensed attorney, advocate, and educator who has a heart for inspiring others to reach their potential. She's a mentor, leadership development expert, workshop creator, and facilitator, and a designer of educational products. Currently, she serves as vice chair of the Mentor Georgia Advisory Board, a member of the board of directors for the University of Florida Alumni Association, and a member of the board of trustees for Southern Education Fund. I mean, John, the receipts keep coming because not only does she have a bachelor's and master's degree in education. She holds a JD from the University of Florida. And to top it all off, she's been married to her husband for 20 years, and they are the proud parents of a brilliant son and brilliant daughter. She's also a published author of the children's book entitled Michaela the Koala. I have to share that I've known Carisha for about five or six years now, We met at a conference in Atlanta that I was working on. And then a few months later, she reached out to me to work on UNL's first Disruptivators conference. Our friendship blossomed from there. And she has been such a supporter of mine and my family over the years. In 2021, we realized we are at a similar place in our lives with trying to level up and step more into our leadership visibility. So we embarked on a passion project called the Sisterhood Collective, which was a clubhouse room that was a safe space for Black women and women of color to discuss vulnerability in leadership. And I can attest to how working with Carisha is life-changing. Carisha, my dear friend, welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, thank you. This is so exciting. And let me just say, you all are dynamic, one of my favorite podcasts by far. So congratulations to you and John. And you know how I feel about you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you. Uh, 
my girl. <laughs> it's mutual. <laughs> Thank you so much, Creature, for joining us. We're so excited to dive in. And every time me and Didi do this, like we've literally, you know, uh, been talking to so many great people. So I love the idea of unpacking just so much and learning about people's rich history. So can't wait to dive in with you. So in that, let's start at the beginning a bit with you. I want to know who was little Carisha growing up in Florida and what, what inspired you to be an educator, lawyer, and writer? Like, let's talk about your, your, your young child. Oh, man. Carisha, growing up in Miami, Florida, it was called Unincorporated Dade County. Back then, people may know it from Miami Gardens. A lot of people go to Jazz in the Gardens. Grew up down the street from where Jazz in the Gardens is held. Um, and I was just always the kid that was, you know, outside having fun. But I, when I look back on it, I was always this mentor, this leader. I was just telling the story that I got some of the folks on my block to put money in a cheese doodle can. And I collected this money and we had this like club meeting and then we took the money and went and bought snacks from 7-Eleven. Right. So if you look back, I've been fundraising for a long time, too. And I once heard Oprah on the Life You Want tour talk about how your purpose, you can look back and see that there's a thread that goes through it. Who you were is who you become. And it's just a journey. And I see it with my own kids. So I think that's who I've always been. Just this person who was mentoring, um, you know, wanting people to do better, always helping, being that listening ear. And it led me to where I am today. I love that you say that because that is so much your your essence. You are a, a, a cheerleader, a sounding board. You have the so much compassion and understanding for people and, and, and what they're going through. And I'm just curious to know, I know you were an educator for, I'm not quite, I don't remember quite how long, and you also have a law degree. So, but then you left I believe, law to get into not-for-profit work. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Like what, in, And you also have this creative ability to also write yeah. amazing yeah. stories. So for me, it was, again, always just trying to figure out how I'm going to help you. I originally wanted to be a child psychologist, right? But that goes back to that first generation, getting to school. I got to school and I found out I had to go straight through for a PhD to do that. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I'm like, how else can I work with youth and help them and found my way through a series of changes to education and absolutely loved it. Um, I loved everything about it. I loved the work that I was doing in school. And so I became an educator. My first job was in Naples, Florida, and I got there and they said, OK, you're going to be at two schools. I was teaching students that were qualified as gifted. And I said, OK, now, if anybody knows anything about Naples, Florida, at the time, it was the richest city per capita. Like my school was in the middle of a multi-million dollar golf community, but then the other school where they put me was also um, 20 minutes down the road, and it was called Pinecrest Elementary School in a town called Immokalee, Florida. I grew up an hour and a half away from Immokalee, had never heard of it. People who know Edron James, you know, he grew up there, went on to become a great football player, but I saw poverty in Immokalee like I had never seen it before, but also a soul in a community you know, for people that were wrapping around the young people that we were serving. And I'm like, wait a minute, my kids 20 minutes down the road are going to private islands on the weekend. But my kids in Immokalee, if we do a project on the weekend, they're telling me, miss, I can't go because I've got to work in the fields with my family. Right. And I'm said, OK, all of these kids are equally bright and talented. So no one can say it's ability. It all boils down to access, opportunity and exposure. 
So after teaching for a few years, I said, you know what, they're going to always be dynamic teachers, teaching kids how to read, write, and do math. But I know that there is so much more to them finding their purpose and living successful lives than learning how to read and write. And how do I get to that point? So I started thinking really about systems changes. How do you do that? You know, for me, it was through the law. So that's what prompted me to apply and go to law school. And it was a wonderful experience. You know, I got there and I'm like, oh man, I could do all of these things. But I'll tell you what, my last semester, I took a course by a professor named Kenneth, Dr. Kenneth Young, and it was African-American history in the law. And this is so significant, especially with the confirmation of um, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson right now. But we were reading all of these cases written by these white men who were supposed to be the brilliant minds of the age saying that black folks weren't people. We were chattel, you know, we weren't supposed to be educated. And when I tell you that just kind of put the charge back into me as I was leaving law school and could have been swayed by all these shiny diamonds, great jobs, great salaries. Like, no, this is your purpose. You need to go out there and help create systems of change. Well, I graduated during the recession. So at that time, I mean, you just had to kind of get a job. And I did litigate for a while. Family law, absolutely loved it. But after a while, I just realized that this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. How do I get back on my path? And I read a book called The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. I think we talked about this, Dee Dee. Had no idea she was a Supreme Court clerk, but it was all about what do you do to become happy and living your purpose? And it may not always jive with what people think your purpose is. And that just set me on my path. I resigned twice from the law firm in the year. The first time they wouldn't let me go. The second time I said, it's, it's not you, it's me. There is something else for me to be doing. And I tell you that following week, I was at an event for Usher's new book through a, half, a series of sort of divine interventions. And when I got there, I said, this is where I'm supposed to be and started volunteering for the organization. One thing led to another, started working in their programs department help to build those programs and continue the growth that was happening at the time. And then fast forward about eight years later, I was named as the president and CEO. That's how I got there. Wow. I mean, John. Wow. 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 I mean, Aditi, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to chime in Didi, because I think it's so interesting because teaching law nonprofit very different on on paper probably right like very much so different but i'm sure there were some parallels and some things you could probably pull from each area to make you to, to continue your advancement let's talk about the just the the tangible well not even tangible just the tools to just just the thought process of being a teacher that then translates to being a lawyer that then translates to being this nonprofit space like let's i mean let's let's oh really yeah i mean you can't bit. get any closer to being boots on the ground than being an educator right? From wiping noses to getting hugs to teaching kids to interacting with parents. It's funny, I just did a tweet someone typed about being an educator. And I was like, there is no career that teaches you how to take out a paper jam from a copier and also convey information to people, right? And eat your lunch in 12 minutes, by the way, so you can drop your kids off and pick them back up. Like you learn how to do so much as an educator. It's a great training ground. I even think for becoming a servant leader, right? I take that role very seriously. And then when you talk about the law, it's the strategic thinking, you know, asking the right questions, coming up with your case. I have to come up with a case for support all the time for Usher's New Look 
to get people to support and to, to provide funds and resources for the organization. So all of these skills are transferable and really set me up to do what I do. And I would say to do it well in the sense that I'm able to communicate with anyone, right, just based upon what I've done in the past, but also have empathy for the students that we serve and build real authentic relationships with them. And I think that's the beauty about the, the, the pivot. The pivot is always important because it's it's it can be scary, it can be challenging, it can be all these different things, but there's still going to be these these tools and these resources that you're literally going to take with you on each pivot. I've pivoted a few times. Didi obviously has pivoted a few times. Uh, not in such a grand way like you in terms of the the overall uh, industry per se, but I, I think I really, I wanted to unpack it because I think listeners can really uh, walk away with that because I think people are so scared of, of that sometimes and they're a little fearful of that, but it's like, okay, no, you can still, there's still going to be some similarities. There's still going to be some parallels that you can really kind of um, build up with your, with your career. But I'll, I will also say I kept my North Star, my North Star. And my main thing, my main thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how it would end up yeah. the way that I'm doing it now. And I don't even know if this is the end of the journey in the sense that UNL is continuing to evolve and to do even greater things. But it's always been about helping youth and our families in our community to do better. And I've just found different ways to do that. I love that. Well, I can definitely attest to that. And I'm curious to know, you are so clear about your purpose and your intention. And I think that that can be a challenge for many of us to figure that out and, and, and hold that North Star where it should be and work toward it. How did you get to be so intentional? Was there something about growing up, you know, where you did, did your parents instill this faith in you? Was church a part of it? How did you get to listen to your your intuition and you let that guide you to your purpose? I mean, my faith is a huge part of what I do, Didi, and it is absolutely it. You know, I, I wasn't always, I made some turns that I said, eh, that wasn't quite the right turn, but it always come back to, I've got to trust God in my instance, right? Trust God's leading look at the doors that are open, opening. And yeah, my, my upbringing is a huge part of that. Growing up in church, not really knowing how it worked, but once I developed my own relationship with God, I could really determine where the leadings were, especially when you talk about leaving a job at a law firm. You know, I had to be sure that I was sure that I was sure. And it's true. I started getting these messages from everywhere and they were those messages that, hmm, you know, that just wasn't a, a coincidence. And I think when I was able to take out the fact that, oh, that was just a coincidence. No, that was a sign for me. I learned to trust that spirit inside of me even more. You know, even in the work that I do today, when I'm making decisions and having vision, like if it's continuing to come back to me and then maybe I hear something else around it, I know that that's more than just a coincidence and I should go with it. Well, that's what's so beautiful about listening to you share your journey is because so often, I think John is led very much by his intuition as well. Like he's very tapped into the, his feelings and intuition about how things guide him. And just personally, I'm not always that tapped in, it feels like. And it's something that I've been trying to hone 
over the years. And it's something that I think society will tell a lot of us that you, again, to your point, we have all of these trappings. You are at a law firm making your six figures and, and what have you, and you have, you have status. You are important in the world because you've achieved this mark. And to know that you're listening and tapping it. And by the way, you have a lot of other stuff going on too, right? So mm-hmm. you've been married for 20 years. I don't know at this point you had had your, started having children yet. So what time and how are you carving out that space to even listen to those, that intuition and that thing that's guiding you? Are you journaling every day, praying, meditating? What gets you in the like place where you can receive those messages and connect the connect? Yeah. The and I will say sometimes I'm better at it than others. You know, sometimes I'll have to like slap myself and say, okay, get back to your core. But when I am doing what I need to be doing it in that space, I'm getting up in the morning. I'm not checking emails first off, right? I am getting my journal. And I got this from a young lady who um, does event producing. And I'm like, oh, that is so genius. I write three things that I'm grateful for, three intentions for the day, and then three things that I'm praying for every day, right? And that kind of helps to, to set me. But then I also do a devotion. I make sure I'm reading a scripture. I'm praying. I'm just, you know, it gives me the space to really think before I get to work every day. And then I think just throughout the day, just trying to stay connected, trying to love people and stay kind and do the right things as much as possible. That helps because I think when we get beyond ourselves, that's when kind of grace and mercy steps in and says, okay, you're not exactly where you need to be, but I'm gonna carry you a little bit further, you know, and give you these things that, that you need and you may not know you need. And so that's why I say, you know, when it's not about religion for me. It's about relationship. And if my heart stays pure and I'm doing things for the right intentions, look, people may say, oh, and they get enamored. Oh, my God, you work with Usher. You work for Usher. Yes, I do. And he's a fabulous humanitarian and just humble person and great. But we are all aligned around the work that we're doing for these folks. And, I, and like I said, I just try to keep the main thing the main thing. Listen, and I can attest to, oh, John's jumping in. I can attest to the work that you all do. And I remember that Disruptivators conference and I'd worked at a lot of events and it lit me up in such a way that it also exposed me to some of our really great um, uh, creators of color before that really had language. Um and people that have gone on to do amazing things across social, the, you know, social media platforms. It also just lit me up seeing how the convergence of entertainment and social impact has so much value and what we do with our, you know, with our young, with our youngsters. And I would love to just hear a little bit about, because at that time you were not the president, you're building these programs and what you were learning along the way in terms of how to put these programs together, what was going to serve the community the best, and some of the successes that over the years you can look back and say, we did that. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's always being youth-centric. What's going to resonate with our youth? I can't look at it from what res- resonates with, with me necessarily, but always keeping them tapped into, hey, what is it that you want to hear? Who do you want to hear? I think, you know, Jay Versace was on one of those panels at the time and he just won a Grammy, 
right? Like super dope for them to have been in their presence. Some of them, I'm sure they have pictures with them and all of that. So it's keeping the youth centered, but then also keeping an eye on what what's coming down the pipe. What does the landscape look like for them to be successful? Is it content creation? Is it careers in advertising? Is it technology? What do we know we need to be doing as an organization to set these kids up? Entrepreneurship is huge, right? How do we start, as we start now, we're building a youth accelerator program. How do we start pulling in folks that's gonna help our young people get to the table, have the confidence that they need to speak the language, present their ideas and get investments, right? So that we can start to see these percentages tick up um, as it relates to black and brown youth being invested in and, and becoming sort of great entrepreneurs of their time. So it's always keeping our youth first and seeing what's going to help them to be successful in that way. And being, being plugged into culture, what they're listening to, what they're watching. You know, we talk all the time. They need chunks, y'all. We don't want big 30-minute panels for them. They just need little snippets, and they're going to pull what they need in. So we often talk about that as our staff and as our team. And you're right, as far as entertainment and social impact, look, who has a better platform than, and in this case, Usher, right? A multi-platinum artist, global artist, to get the attention of young people, funders, the community. We were in a meeting just yesterday, Didi, don't kill me, I was in New York for about 20 minutes, 20, 20 hours. Um, <laughs> um, we were there and someone was just talking to them and saying, they're going to listen to it because it's you telling them, right? He gets the attention of folks that I may not or someone else may not. And so he recognizes that he's been given a lot of blessings and influence. And so he's using that to bring about awareness and impact for the work that he started when he was 19 years old. And that, I think, continues to contribute to the success of the organization. Full transparency, I'm getting a little emotional over here because I am uh, born and raised in Atlanta. I, I obviously in the entertainment industry, but I find it's, it's such a beautiful thing that organizations like Usher's New Look um, Foundation exist because they are helping to help these folks navigate, you know, just in so many ways of how to how to how to dress for an interview. What does a resume look like? You know, uh, presenting skills, uh, just giving them all this access. And I didn't have that. And I think that I had to figure it out and navigate it. And I think that I, luckily it worked for in my end in, in my best favor. But I just I wanted to, to spotlight what the work that you're doing because I just think it's so amazing and it's so important and it's so needed. And anything that I can do that Didi, I know Didi's helped out, but anything I can do as we as we continue to talk and, and build our own relationship, Carisha, I want you to know that I'm I'm here and I'm an advocate and I'm 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 fighting a good fight because I think it's I just remember just growing up like thinking that I only could be a doctor, lawyer, yeah. teacher. I was like, what's that one? Teacher. And like obviously I'm so far from that. Uh, area, but I didn't even know that this whole world existed. I'm still learning about new jobs daily in this entertainment world. So I know people at Tri-Cities High School where mm -hmm. I went don't know either. So uh, any way that I can help shape, provide, a, put some light onto something, I, I want to do that because I think it's so important because we can do it. We can do whatever we want to do. Like right? It's so many opportunities out here in this entertainment space. And I just think that what you guys are doing is just so immaculately done and so well and so so deserving. So thank you so much for that. I, pre I appreciate um, but, that, John. Uh, I just, I just, I just wanted just... to say that. 
Because I was literally oh. getting ready to like tear. And Didi's the crier. And I'm like. Listen, I mean, <laughs> I said that so many times. I'm like, dang, if I had an Usher's new look growing up, in my, it's no telling what I would have become. If my kids and in my career yes, had an Usher's new right. look, right? All the kids, I said, I've sat in front, and I've worked with youth in different spaces. And I always say, I've sat in front of so many CEOs, doctors, and whatever else that will not be because they did not have someone to bridge that gap for them. Right. And that's a very real thing. And I'm saying that because they're sitting in jail somewhere or they're just, you know, they have no hope in their future. Right. And their environment is telling them you can't do this. You can only do that. I, I have sat and talked to these youth. So I'm, I, I fully feel what you say. And I get weepy sometimes as well, just thinking about and hearing the stories of our youth. You know, we work with youth ages 14 through 24. And that's the other thing. It's not a one and done. It's not a, we're just going to, you know, help you for a year and then you figure it out. No, we have alumni who've gone through the program. We start in eighth grade. We work with them through high school. Then our college students get poured into, continue to get poured into, but they also give back to our middle school and high school students. And so we're creating that cycle of not just successful people, but successful people who also know what it means to give back. And I think that was also a part of the vision that Usher set, you know, wanting to give kids a new look on life. And this was a part of it. So I I am fully there with you, my friend, you know, just not knowing what was possible. And if I can just add this quick story, as I'm talking to my 17-year-old son, you know, what is it that you want to do? He plays basketball. NBA is definitely a goal. But I said, okay, let's think about after that or even investment. What are you going to do while you're playing? He's like, well, what can I do to make money? You know, so I said, start some research. And he found, he's like, real estate development, that sounds interesting. Well, I was telling another mom, right? who comes from means and I'm telling her about commercial real estate. And this is what he's saying. She goes, well, do you know someone? Because we have some folks in our family that he can shadow. That's how folks operate all the time, right? We've got to do that for our community. And I'm so glad that we're in the space where I get text messages. Hey, my nephew is at Morehouse and wants an internship. Do you know anyone? Absolutely. Have him send me a resume. So we can get our young people in these spaces. And I think that's what it boils down to. So thank you for saying that, John. And, and one other thing I want to say, too, because I, I also have the most utmost respect for educators and teachers. And I am that person who I can name about six teachers to this day that I still am very close to that. I went to their weddings, been in some of their weddings and had so like just had really like they literally poured into me in my life. So I always say mom, dad, teachers like these these teachers. And so I want to also say that even though you're not in the classroom every day, you still carry that teacher hat and you're still literally teaching every single day. You just taught me some stuff right now. So I just also want to give you your flowers in that regard, too, because I think there is a special type of human being that can pour into a child the way that teachers pour into a child. And you still, you have that gift and you've literally, you've taken it to another level. And I think I just, that's so Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, and I want to give my honor to teachers who are in the trenches right now as they are having a rough time post COVID, you know, and just say, continue to fight and remember what you got into it for. And they're going to be, there needs to be some other folks to help change those systems so that they can continue to do what it is that they love to do, which is teach young people. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, sorry, Didi, I'm taking up all the time. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, I just, that's, this is really hit me. I, I mean, this just... is Black on the Scene featuring John and Carisha. I'll just hang back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I wanted to just jump in and say like one of the joys of um, having the job that I have is that I've been able to work with the organization, inviting you all to screenings. And it brings me so much joy to hear about how our youth get to be treated like movie stars at these screenings and have access to seeing, you know, all of this hard work that goes into um, making movies and getting, you know, tchotchkes and promo items and, 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 and um, popcorn and cookies. And it makes me so happy because I was able to, somehow my parents were, were able to afford to take us to the movies. Granted, it was cheaper then, but it's so amazing to me when you talk about access. And this is why it's so important for um, folks in the in the business, like John and I, to be able to share some of the access that we have across the content that, that we support. And so I just want to, I'm just putting to the call out to our community of, of entertainment um, executives and folks that work across the business, that this is your organization, Usher's New Look, is such an amazing partner to work on. And the, the benefit of that is just seeing the, seeing the kids light up and be so excited about that movie going experience. And John and I both are film lovers. Obviously we're in the, <laughs> we're in the film industry. And so Carisha, I would love to just know too, what are some of the goals you have for Usher's new look? How can we help? What do we need to do across the black on the scene community to support and nurture this vision of yours and next step. First of all, I appreciate all those moving screenings on behalf of our youth, Dee Dee. And you are right. I mean, they get there and they know they get in the special line. They know they're getting all their <laughs> popcorns. They don't even sweat about some of the movies they have to put their cell phones up. You know, I mean, they are cool with it because, and look, they mobilize sometimes very quickly. Sometimes we have a short amount of time to activate them and they get there and their families come and their siblings come. And it's just, it's a really nice way for them to show like there's another level to this as well, you know? So I appreciate all that you've done in just your many different capacities. For the future of Usher's New Look, look, we have the next generation of everything that you can imagine out there. We have young people who want to not just be in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. They want to be in the offices. And so when you're talking about opening up movie um, studios and executive offices and all of these different roles to our young people, there is an opportunity for part, real partnership. And what I tell everybody, it's not, yes, the funding helps us to continue to grow and do the work that we do, but it's the human capital that makes the difference for our young people. We're not in the business of widgets. We're in the business of developing young people. And if they can see it, then they can be it. You know, I think I just called you Didi. We have a young lady graduating in New York from college. She wants to be a film critic. How did, you know, her thing is, how do I get started, right? And so I've connected her with you just to even have a talk and figure out what does she need to do at this level as a new graduate to start her pathway. You know, we look up 15 years from now, there's a Naya that's a big film critic that people are following, right? So those are some of the things that we're looking for, mentorship. Um, but as far as the future of Usher's New Look, it's making sure our young people are tapped into entrepreneurship, making sure that they're able to 
access and be prepared and confident for the careers of tomorrow, which are changing, right? I mean, we're in the metaverse now, right? And in web 3.0 and all of these different things, how do we prepare them so they're not left out? Sometimes these things hit our community last. And so by then it's already taken off. We wanna make sure that our students are at the forefront. So even when you talk about the film industry, what's coming down the pipe? What are those careers of tomorrow that we can help prepare them for now? You can't wait until college. Sometimes that's too late. But if we start with these young people in high school, getting them the skills, all those things, John, you told them, not just the technical skills, but I just heard this uh, from a good friend, Stacy. you know, Stacy. they're called power skills now, not soft skills. If we help them to get those skills now, then they will be prepared and those doors won't be closed in their faces like they are now. So I say partnering with those who can really make a difference and start to bridge the gap and create that pipeline for our young people to access these wonderful careers that are life-changing. You know, these kids can make more money than they ever dreamed of. They can work in a space, we call it their spark, that sparks them where they can be creative and then build networks and then turn around and do things like what you all are doing, right? This love project that you have highlighting other people. And so those are the big things I would say. We have our Disruptivator Summit coming up this summer, back in person, Didi. That's a huge way for our youth to be exposed. We have panelists and speakers, but we also take them on excursions where they choose tracks. And so they get on a bus and go to a film studio here in Atlanta. They went to Third Rail and spent about three hours and experienced all that there is to experience in a film studio. So for us, it really is about partners who want to help expose you to these different careers. Listen, you count John and I in for the Disruptivators Conference okay. if you need a panelist. We just need to deep dive on how we can support. How do people find out more about the conference? Is the link live yet? Because we should definitely support that. I just want to make sure we air this episode in well enough time for people to um, sign up for the conference um, and have enough time to plan to attend. So give us a little bit more information. Yes, the link is the not conference. live yet. However, you can always go to www.ushersnewlook.org. I encourage every listener to follow us on all of our social platforms at Usher's New Look because you'll definitely start to see more summit information. And then for your show notes, Didi, if by the time it airs, I can definitely get you a, a link for that to put in there. Um, but if they go on our website and just follow us, they will definitely get the information that they need. Sounds wonderful. Carisha, we have enjoyed this time with you. We could keep talking, but I appreciate you sharing so much of yourself with the future, with our kids, and just being such a guiding light and inspiration um, for anyone who knows you and certainly, um, again, our, our future. And so I would love to know, you know that Black on the Scene, this podcast, is a love letter to Black entertainment and the importance of representation across not just entertainment, but of course, across every industry. 
Could you share your love letter to Black entertainment and what it has done, I guess, for you personally and maybe Usher's new Absolutely. look? Absolutely. Um, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me on today. This has been so much fun. The time went by very quickly, um, but that's what happens when you're having a good time. So thank you both and just continue to do this great work. I'll continue to share Black on the scene with everyone I know. As far as my love letter, I will start by saying to whom much is given, much is required. You know, and when you look at Hollywood and our entertainers in that space and executives um, and movie makers, take a look back and see who else you can bring along with you, you know, and that's where that's the space that I sit in Um, there. You have an awesome platform and sometimes it can be as simple as, like you said, sitting on a panel and sharing information with the youth or participating in an event, bringing them to a studio or or a space where they can learn about different careers. There's a young lady who we served in Detroit who I saw her post on Instagram recently, and she was in a picture with Omari Hardrick. And she said, this is the moment that I knew I wanted to be in film. And so it can be just that one touch point in a young person's life that changes their entire life. We never know what someone has gone through. We never know what type of stresses they're living in, even as a young child. And we know children don't get to choose what's happening to them. But what we can do is help them to be resilient and give them the tools to overcome those things and still live out their life purpose. So my love letter is to recognize the amazing platform that those in Hollywood have been given and think about how they can give back so that those who are looking up to them, those who are those consumers can also learn how they can be producers in their lives in the future. Was that okay? Well, amazing. That was amazing. Yes. Yes. I'm like, good gosh, we could be talking so for an hour, two hours from now. Like yes. you are just so again, amazing. I think I'm, I'm think I'm telling 10 year old Jonathan in school. Yes. Teacher. <laughs> it's yes. just, it is so good. So thank you so much. That was beautiful. The gems, Alicia, oh, the gems, the girl. gems, yes. the gems, the gems. <laughs> Listen, again, Didi and I, we are in season three of Black on the Scene. We are supporters of you. We are supporters of Usher's New Look Foundations. And we want to make sure we show up. And you know how we show up is the foundation. So you guys, you need, you need dollars. So Consider it done. Didi and I are going to donate um, some money to to the foundation, and we want to, on the behalf of Black on the Scene, because we believe in what you guys are doing. Um, we, we can talk about, um, you know, sponsoring some kids for the for the summit later this summer. We, we want to. We really want to show up and be impactful. If you need us there to volunteer, give out T-shirts, and do meals, we are hundred percent there. But we love what you are doing. You keep love doing it. the amazing work. And we thank you so, so much for just dropping all of this beautiful knowledge on Black on the Scene today. We love you. We thank you. I we see you. All. Thank you, so, thank much. you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much to our guests and to you for listening to this week's episode of Black on the Scene. We'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review, plus share your own love letter for Black entertainment and follow us on all social media platforms at Black on the Scene. See you next time.